Jesus, if that doesn't light your fire, then your wood is wet. How many of you love the Lord this morning? Say amen. Man, I tell you, I'm, I'm ready to preach now. Wow, I'm excited about the word this morning. If you love the Lord, say amen. We are uh, here today in the second message of this series called Through. Everybody say through. Say, I'm going through. There's an old gospel song that says, I've made up my mind and I'm going through. Mm. Can you do that? Can you go, mm. I know that's hard for white folk, but it's okay. We can get a little soul in you. Uh, whoever said church ought to not be fun? I think it ought to be fun. We ought to, I mean, you know, we want to honor God. We want to revere the Lord, but everything's not all about being silent all the time. And um, so this morning, I just want to say if you're a guest, we're thrilled that you're here today. Uh, I'm, I'm Michael Smith. I'm the lead pastor here at Victory. Um, <clears throat> I want to apologize on the front end. I haven't, did not sleep a wink last night. I've had been battling a little bit of a sinus infection and a slight fever, and um, took an Allegra D. And I made the mistake of taking it about ten o'clock last night, and then I was like this all night long, looking at the ceiling. So, um, <laughs> and I'm ramped up on coffee so high today. It's a wonder I'm not flying through that roof. <laughs> So, hey, I'm just confessing to you where I'm at right now. Is that all right? So please pray for me today. I want to be able to communicate clearly. Um, ask the Holy Spirit to help me to say something today that I think will um, bring comfort and courage and conviction and correction, all those things where necessary in every one of our lives. Um, I personally right now am going through I'm going through, and I'm making it. I'm going to make it. I'm going through the hardest season of my life that I've ever faced. I, you know, you asked me 2017 what I would be. I would never thought that I would have, would wake up in a new year and be a widower. And so I'm in the middle of this, but I'm going through it. It's like the old guy in church who testified, and he got up one Sunday to. They had a little testimony time, and he read a little scripture. And he read the words, it came to pass, and he shouted. And everybody said, brother, I've noticed every time that those words, the preacher reads the words, it came to pass, you get real excited. He said, because I'm excited because it didn't come to stay, it came to pass. And that's kind of an old preacher joke. But you know what? It's valid. It works. It's, uh, it's for us right now. What you're in is not going to last. But if you have the word of God in you, it will last. Because the Bible said... 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. What that means is there's something in you that's going to last. It's called the word of God. It's called Christ in you, the hope of glory. Something in you that can't be defeated. Something in you that cannot die. Something in you that cannot, cannot quit. Because it's Christ, the word, the word made flesh inside your heart. In life, can, can, can somebody be a little bit encouraged this morning in the house? If I didn't have that confidence or that awareness, I wouldn't be going through and going through what I'm facing and what I'm going through. In the middle of it, saying, God, I choose joy. I sometimes say that. I say it every day. Sometimes I say it through tears. God, I choose joy. I choose joy. And 
What I want to remind you of is in this day and time when it's so easy to present a Christianity that's kind of warm cookies and cold milk or peaches and cream or whatever your favorite, whatever your happy place is, whether it's a beach and a breeze and the ocean or whether it's something you eat or something you experience or whatever, uh, life is not all about that all the time. Life has some hard knocks. It has some difficult things that we go through. And sometimes we can get in those valleys and get stuck. We stay in a place and we're no longer going through, but life seems to sort of just be passing through us. It's going on all around us and we're just stuck. And so to anybody who's stuck this morning, I want to say that Jesus has come to get you unstuck. And um, I, I want to say that I'm grateful today for all that he is and for all that you are to me as a spiritual family and your prayer for us right now because I am living off the grace of God and the prayers of the saints and a very frisky little puppy dog right now. So, uh, By the way, all his systems work. Just want, want everybody to know that. My back is sore from cleaning up, but anyway. But I'm going through it. I'm going to get through to the other side. Going to break through. Odie and I are going to break through to the kingdom of God. We're going to break through where that which was a mess is now going to become his message. And he's going to be able to say, oh, bark, bark, and bark, and I, I don't know where I'm doing this. Anyway, I'm just trying to take anything I can and make it this message this morning. Uh, it's what happens when you don't sleep all night long. Well, the old rock and roller said, didn't sleep at all last night. And don't, can, don't judge me because I don't remember what the rest of the words are. And if they're not sanctified, forgive me. But it's, if you only knew what I had to filter up here, especially when I've had no sleep, it's like the filter's really got to be on because my mind is like a parade. And uh, did y'all think that was funny? Come on. Yeah, you, 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 you're not, I'm not any different from you. If you think your mind's not like a parade, get down on your knees and try to pray 20 minutes. You'll think of stuff you hadn't thought of since high school. You'll remember stuff that you had you forgot since happened in the first grade. You could try down, try to get serious and cry out to God in some prayer time, some intercession. Get on your face, open the Word. You'll remember stuff you didn't even want to remember. You want to know why? Because the enemy's like sending everything he can, trying to distract you because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Come on, everybody, say, make it plain, preacher. So I'm just telling you the truth. And so this morning, not having had the kind of rest, so I'm asking you to pray for me today um, because the biblical understanding of the spiritual journey is it's through something. It's not, God doesn't just come along and just zap you out of a difficult season. You got to go through it because there's a lesson to be learned. Um, it's like the, the, the young man who was deep in credit card debt and his parents were not wealthy, but they had a little bit of a little bit of change, and so they paid off his credit cards. Well, guess what happened? When he didn't have to battle his way out of paying them off, he ended up right back in the same shape in two years. And the second time, they said, no, you're going to pay them off this time. We did it for you in grace. This time, you're going to learn the discipline of the Lord, and we'll be here for you. But guess what? You learned the lesson when you learned the value of the dollar, the value of the day's work, when you actually have to go through the process. Sometimes God delivers us out of things. It's a zap, boom. I mean, I've seen people come to the altar and get saved and just be jacked up and messed up and all kinds of problems, and they'll get up and immediately a couple of things are fixed. They don't even have the desire for drugs anymore. But man, just have a mouth like a sailor, and they have to struggle to, to, to bring that under subjection. 
uh, or, or maybe God fixes one area and He just zaps you, boom, you're, you're, you're transformed. You're, you're, you, you have been converted and things have been changed, but you get up and there's still a struggle somewhere else. Everybody say, everybody's got a struggle. And we got to go through something to learn how we can obtain the victory in Christ. God did not deliver Daniel out of the lion's den. He delivered him through it. And it was for a purpose because the king on the throne of the kingdom at the time said, guess what, everywhere I rule, now you're going to worship the God of Daniel, the one who delivered this servant out of the lion's den. God didn't deliver the three Hebrew children out of the fiery furnace. He delivered them through it. And it was in the middle of that fire that the fourth man appeared. How many of you, everybody say Jesus showed up. How many of you know he's ready to show up in your life? And if you'll call on him and let him show up, he'll show out in your life. And turn some things around. And those three Hebrew youths, really teenagers, we've always grown up calling them children, but they were probably 18, 19 years old, said, you know what? If God, God's able to deliver us, but if he doesn't, he's still God. That was their testimony. And they walked into the fiery furnace. And guess what? The fourth man walked through there with them. And you know what happens when you go into the furnace bound if you can give God praise in the middle of the furnace, you'll come out free. The bonds have been burned off of you, but you hadn't been burned. So everybody say, you got to go through it. Noah, Noah and the eight souls on the ark, they didn't get raptured out of the wrath, the flood. Matter of fact, the same thing that actually destroyed the wicked buoyed up the righteous, but they had to get into the boat. Everybody say, Jesus is the ark. Tell your neighbor, say, get in the boat. So you, you see the principle, we go through it. We have things that we have to go through. And like the old man who rejoiced every time the scripture was read, it came to pass. That's our promise. It didn't come to stay. You know, it's, it's like they say, you know, Arkansas weather, just hang around. It'll be 11 degrees today and 60 degrees tomorrow, which is the, actually the forecast. <laughs> That's not a joke. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. I want you to stand with me. We want to read two verses of scripture. Do you love the Lord this morning? Say amen. amen. Find a board, find a screen, and read out loud. Here we go. Uh, title of the message today is called Breakthrough. Everybody say Breakthrough. Breakthrough. All right, Isaiah 43. Read. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel. The one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. So you got the message. We're going through something. Everybody say one more time. I'm going through. Let's bow our hearts together for a word of prayer. Gracious God, we thank you that your love is indescribable. Thank you that your mercy is everlasting. Thank you that your grace truly is like the song says, it is amazing. God, we ask you this morning today to communicate to our hearts, Lord, the beauty of the gospel, the depth of your sacrifice that you gave for us, Jesus. Penetrate our hearts, everyone in this place, saints and sinners alike. Lord, believers and those who are just sort of on the edge checking things out, all are welcome. We thank you, Lord, in this place today that the gospel is comprehensive. It touches every area of our lives. It's not just about dying and going to heaven. 
but it's about bringing heaven to this place, to the valley we're going through. We look to you. I need you now more than I ever have before. God, on no sleep last night and a lot of coffee this morning, I just confess that I'm desperate for you to get into my thinking, Lord, into my communication, into the speech. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Lord, I'll be careful to give you all the praise and the glory for it's in Jesus' name that I pray and all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. The title of the message today is called Breakthrough. Breakthrough. 28 years ago today, I met in the conference room of the Ramada Inn with a little old Kimball spinet piano that was my mom's that I grew up practicing playing piano on my whole life. And with my family included and my almost one-year-old son, because it was January the 8th, 1989, we had the first official meeting for Victory Fellowship at the time. So 28 years ago today, we had about 17 people meet in the room over there. And through those years, I'm grateful for those who have come and the Lord has confirmed to their hearts that they were to be joined to this vision and to help us raise up a life-giving community of faith one that would do things a little bit differently, that we could try and sort of unbuckle the Bible belt a little bit, get past the religiosity and all of the, the vestiges of what once was and what really have become dead traditions instead of living faith. And so we, we began the journey. We began the struggle. And there are a host of folks that I could begin to name and mention. I don't want to because I don't want to leave anybody out. But I'm thankful. There's some folks who've been here with me for 26 of the 28 years. Um, Jack and Tina Murphy, they were in the first service. I don't think they're in this one. Um, others as well that have stayed and stood uh, in times of difficulty, in times of disagreement, in times of persevering and pre we press through something. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote in Acts chapter, or rather he was quoted, it was Luke who wrote it, but he was quoting Paul. When it says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, they met together, showing them that we must, through much tribulation, press into the kingdom of God. Everybody say, through tribulation. The kingdom of God is not just a coming event and a, a literal rule of Jesus, but it's a spiritual kingdom right now where his rule is in your heart. And his rule is in your family. I, I taught my children growing up, look, the kingdom of God is about you taking dominion over the area of which you have responsibility right now. That room, that's your kingdom. Now bring the kingdom of God to it. Kingdom of God is not in a place where you've got three-month-old dirty underwear laying around. Maybe that's too graphic. I'm sorry. I told you I need a filter this morning. Uh, you know, where everything's just in disarray, stuff all over the place. Bring order to it because the kingdom brings order out of chaos. And the same in the first creation where God spoke to the darkness and said, light be. Chaos and order came. The very same way he speaks to the disorder and the chaos and the mess in your life and he makes your life into the message of his love and his mercy and his kingdom. Come on, somebody. And the kingdom means the king has come in your life. He's come in your heart. Really, the kingdom of God is anytime we can say Jesus is Lord over. Jesus is Lord over my heart, so the kingdom of God's in my heart. Jesus is Lord over my family, so the kingdom of God is in my family. It's certainly coming to my family. 
Even in the middle of the struggle that I'm in, I invite the Lord. I say, God, be, be Lord in the middle of this. Take all of this chaos and the struggle and the confusion because God's not the author of confusion. Bring order out of this chaos. And so that's really what we're facing when we're dealing with a struggle. And the title of the message is called Breakthrough Today. And what we're looking to be able to show is some principles from one of the greatest stories of breakthrough that I know of in the Bible. And by way of introduction, I just want to tell you a little bit about one of the Bible characters of Genesis. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and it really is about six primary characters. And we'll start, who was the first man? What was his name? And we're not leaving out the ladies. Obviously, there are a whole lot of folks uh, that were involved in this, and with every man, there's a woman as well. But when we're talking about these characters together, it was a patriarchal society, and so it usually is identifying leadership on a masculine side, okay? And so we're talking about Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then one of Jacob's sons, Joseph. So those are the six primary characters of the book of Genesis. When you open Genesis, you're going to be reading to some degree about one of those six or the relationships of people to those six and their wives, okay? And so as we look to Jacob, we realize that we've already moved through Adam and Noah and Abraham and Isaac. Um, God began with Adam in a garden in a perfect spot, desiring to fill the planet with a whole new creation. And Adam blew it because of a bad choice. And he's, he's ejected from the garden. And you know the story with Noah coming along, a preacher of righteousness, God reveals to him he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Hear that. That's, grace is not just a New Testament term or covenant, a uh, new covenant term. It's all over the Old Covenant as well. The grace of God, the tender mercies of the Lord, the everlasting kindnesses of God are how grace reads in the, new, in the King James Version in the Old Testament. And so Noah found grace. and He rescues. He preaches righteousness. We move through Noah and then we get to Abraham. God begins the process of seeking out a man that will multiply into a family in which family will become the nation, the covenant nation, which will be known as the people of God, called Israel. He begins with Abraham. Hebrews 11 calls Abraham the father of our faith. Everybody say the father of our faith. So God does this thing, and literally, he's not a Jew. I know that's probably going to just jerk some folks to go, what are you talking about? Abraham is not a Jew. He was an Iraqi. He was a Babylonian. He was a Chaldean. The scripture says he was dwelling in the Ur of the Chaldees. His name was Abram. He was married to Sarai. And God calls him out of moon worship. He's not worshiping the one true God. He's worshiping, he's involved in the whole pagan panoply of the day in which he's living in, in, in the Babylonian era. And uh, God speaks to Abram and he calls him out. And God meets with Abram. And Abram has an encounter with God and he begins to trust the Lord. And the whole process begins with God making a promise to Abram. And he says, you know what? Your name means exalted father. But you don't have any kids. He says, I'm going to do one better for you, Abram. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. You're going to be called Abraham. And so God adds a ha to Abram's name. Sarai, she gets an ah added to her name. So between the couple, they get an aha added to them. 
Now, 25 years after the promise is given, and I don't have time to stop and take you through the little trek that, that Abraham and Sarah, as we know them, go through, through the whole Hagar uh, Chronicles and Ishmael that's born and all that stuff. But finally, the real promised seed of God comes along and God says, call him Isaac. Does anybody know what Isaac means? Everybody say laughter. Well, guess what? Long before Isaac was ever born, God put laughter in Abram and Sarai's heart. He called them Aha, Sarah, and Abraham. So what, what we're saying is, is that God will begin to name something in you in the way of a prophetic direction that he's going to take you long before it actually becomes a manifestation in your life. Maybe it's a better marriage. Maybe it's breaking an addiction or a business that is struggling and you want it to succeed. And you know that the favor of God is what you need for that to happen in your life. The struggle that you're in, that which you've not been able to put down and actually come through into a breakthrough, that's what I want to speak to this morning. So God starts to deal with Abraham and Sarah and here comes Isaac and Isaac meets Rebekah and and what love that they have and Isaac and Rebekah uh, uh, get pregnant and Rebekah has twins in her womb. It's uh, two boys named Jacob and Esau. And the word the Lord tells us in the book of Romans that that God particularly favored Jacob and he didn't particularly like Esau. And Esau is the firstborn, Jacob is the secondborn. But actually when they're born, when Rebekah travails in birth and labor and she brings these two twin boys into the world, Esau is the firstborn. But Jacob, literally the hand of Jacob reaches and grabs the heel of Esau as he's being born. And the hand actually emerges from the womb and they see it. And because of that, when Jacob comes into the world, they give him the name Jacob because Jacob literally in Hebrew means heel catcher. It means trickster, schemer, con man. I don't in any way want to be offensive to anybody this morning, especially if you work in this particular field, but he is the proverbial used car salesman. Jacob is the guy who wants to sell you a nice little car driven by a little lady from Burbank. But it's, it's like that old episode of Andy Griffith, you know, where Barney bought the car and it was a little lady from Burbank that had been driving it, but the, the used car salesman had put some sawdust in the transmission just enough to get it off the lot. Now, I don't know if sawdust does that in a transmission or not. According to the gospel of Andy Griffith, it does. But they're driving down the road and the car falls apart. And Barney's so proud of himself and his car and how he's just gotten this great deal and it just falls apart because he got tricked. He got schemed by a biblical word, Jacob. And so as we go back, if you would, give me the text that we originally read, Nate, if you put it up for me. Look at this. Read it out loud with me. But now, oh, what? Oh, Jacob, listen to the Lord who created. Everybody say created. Oh, what? Israel, the one who... So, so Jacob was what? Everybody say created. Israel was what? Formed. Now, I want you to realize these two are the same person. Jacob was created. Israel was formed. Jacob, who is the son of Isaac and Rebekah, is going to become the father of 12 sons, the 12 sons of Jacob, that will eventually become known uh, the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. Because Jacob has an encounter with God, and Jacob, in the encounter, gets a new name. 
And a new name means a new nature, a new identity. And so Jacob encounters God and the confrontation brings a transformation and God created Jacob but he formed Israel. Now that's the story that I'm going to tell you this morning. On the way to that, I just want to say that Jacob grows up and becomes a very successful man because he is very sharp. He is ingenious. He is able to put things together in terms of financial manipulation of his circumstances and he can move things around and open credit cards and pay this off and just kind of juggle everything and he's doing a great job just doing it all in his own strength. And the reason I love to preach Jacob is because it really touches everybody in the room. Jacob was the, was the purest form of every one of us who are born in sin. We were all created in the image of God, but we are broken. We are marred. We have the image of God in us. There is dignity there because of the image of God. But the identifying mark in us as Jacob, as sinners, is this thing called depravity. Man, we can fix it. Oh, I got this thing, God. I got it. I'll work it out. I can do it in my own strength. I can do it in my own power. I can, I can figure it out. And, you know, God will let you keep doing that until you finally hit the wall and come into the presence of something that is bigger than you are, where you have to cry out to him and go, I don't know how to do this. This is bigger than I am, God. I need you. One of the most powerful things that brings unlimited resources into your life is when you can say, God, I can't do this by myself. I need you, Lord. Does anybody in the room know what I'm talking about? Would anybody with me right now say, I need you, Lord? Come on, shout it like you mean it. I need you, Lord. Jacob is created. Israel is formed. But they're the same person. It's the same person that went through something. It's the same person who went through until he had a breakthrough. Everybody say breakthrough. And, and, and what I want you to see this morning is that God called Jacob out of a comfort zone out of great wealth that had been produced, two wives, Leah and Rachel, from Laban, who had cheated him. And Jacob learned how to cheat the cheater. And he manipulated the birth of all the herds, of the flocks of goats and sheep, and skinned trees down and caused the birthing of animals to be multitudes of spotted and striped. And the, the degree that he had with his uncle Laban was basically to say, look, all the, the solid colored ones you get and all the striped and spotted ones I get. And guess what? Jacob figured out a way through animal husbandry that he could mark those animals and all of the great flocks begin to show up on his side. And so he was a con man. He was a cheater. He learned how to cheat the cheater because his uncle was cheating him. He got cheated out of the woman that he loved because he loved Rachel with all of his heart and he worked seven years for her, only to wake up the next day after his wedding night and look at her and go, what happened? Did I get really drunk last night? Because you ain't the woman that I thought I was marrying. If y'all would read your Bibles, you'd find out it's some pretty interesting stuff. It kind of puts reality TV to shame. Can you imagine what it would be like if you, you, you're going down to the altar and she's veiled and all the, 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 the culture that you go through is you don't actually see your face until the next morning in the morning light and you wake up in the bed with the wrong woman? Oh, that can't be in the Bible. Oh, well, you just hadn't read it. Somebody say, man, you know what I'm talking about. You know it's in the Bible. Jacob gets cheated. He goes to Laban. He says, what have you done to me? He says, well, it's not our culture. It's not how we operate. You have to take the older one first. And he says, I'll give you, Rachel. He said, go on and finish the marriage week. 
He says, I want you to work seven more years for me, but this time I'm going to let you have her on the front end. The Bible says, and those seven years were as but a few days because Jacob loved Rachel so much. And all the ladies went, oh. Beautiful picture because Leah is a type of the law. You work for her before you get it, and then when you get it, you don't, you're disappointed because you don't get anything that can actually help you. It's the law. But then Rachel's a picture of grace because she was given before he worked. And all the days that he did work, it was great joy. Because see, this is the picture. Now, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, is primarily an idea of, of working law. And I've got to earn my way into the favor of God. And then when I finally get there, I, I can't because I'm not good enough. I, can't, I, don't, I don't deserve anything. I don't merit anything of the favor of God. And so it's disappointment. But Rachel is a picture of, of New Covenant, New Testament grace because she's given to me before I've ever worked. Now I, I gladly work. I work out of joy because I'm in love with Jesus because Rachel's been dropped into my heart. Everybody say grace. Do you all see what I just did with that? See, the Bible comes alive when you start looking back to the Old Covenant and seeing Jesus all over it. It's amazing. And so, so Jacob has, has had all these amazing things happening in his life, but he's still a trickster. He's still a heel catcher. He's a con man. He's a schemer. He, he, he's a used car salesman, not a good one. There, we have good ones in our church that, that sell you good cars. Call Tony Busby. He'll get you a good car. Is Tony here this morning? He's not. Lori is, okay? Now, he's not just about used cars. He'll sell you an infinity too, all right? Um, I just got to cover my... Anyway, so growth always means change. Growth always means change. Two principles. Let's get it right here. The calling of God requires growth. You're going to have to move out of your comfort zone. And growth always requires change. Now, it's taken me a little while to get you set up with the intro. Here is the meat of the message, and we're going to be able to hit this quickly. Genesis 32, what do I mean when I say growth always requires change? Genesis 32, verse 22, listen. You don't have to read out loud, but just read along with me on the screen. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two servant wives and his 11 sons. Now, everybody's been born at this point except Benjamin. Now, Rachel only has one son. His name is Joseph, okay? And I can't stop and tell you the Joseph story, all right? So Rachel's the real one dear to his heart, and there's only one son that's born to the woman that he really loves, and so he sends all of the stuff that he has out because he's about to meet Esau. He conned Esau out of his birthright, and then he stole his inheritance, the blessing, from him as well. Lots of, lots of Bible there. I don't have time to tell you the story. But it's all about Jacob's nature. He is just a con man. He is sinful. Okay? He's a picture of what we are before we come to Christ and the transformation of being given a new heart and a new nature is. Okay? But yet God reaches for him because God loves Jacob. How many of you thankful God loves Jacob? Because if he loves you, if he loves Jacob, he can love you too. Come on, somebody. Look at this. So Jacob is conned and he's scrapped and he's intimidated and manipulated and done all this and he's messed up Esau in every kind of way. But yet the Bible tells us that Esau was blessed in spite of it. Okay. So he, literally Jacob starts sending out all of his stuff, his flocks out in the front, his servants next, his wives and their children, Rachel and Joseph are the ones that are kept nearest to him. He sends them all across the Jabbok, which is an old Bible word for the Jordan. They cross the river 
And he stays on this side in an encampment because he's about to meet Esau the next day and he's heard that Esau has grown into a great nation and he does not know whether Esau is going to show him any mercy or Esau is going to actually take his life and kill him. And so he's in a moment of real, he's between a rock and a hard place. He's in a place where he doesn't have certainty to lean into and rely on. And so he's about to meet God face to face in this isolated, alone time. And look at what's said. After taking them to the other side, he went, he sent over all his possessions. Verse 24. This left Jacob all alone. Everybody say alone. All alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 27, what is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Verse 28, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. Everybody say from now on. From now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have what? One. Wow. Israel means prince of God, prevailer with God. I'm going to tell you something. Some of you, right now, you're doing everything you can to avoid a confrontation with God head on, and you're going to wrestle with the Lord through a struggle you're facing. And if you can learn not to avoid the struggle but run into it head on, you're going to come out on the other side transformed and changed in a breakthrough. Come on. Come on, put your, if, don't patty cake, put your hands together if you're going to give the Lord the praise. What is your name? He says, it's Jacob. He says, you will no longer be called Jacob. The man told him, from now on you'll be called Israel, prince of God, prevailer with God, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Verse 29, Jacob says, please tell me your name. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied, then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping. Everybody say limping. He was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. Now, I need, I need 10 minutes. That's all, all I need. I'm going to finish. I'm going to let you out of here early today. Some of you said, I believe it when I see it. <laughs> Five things, changes in. If you get a breakthrough, it's because you decide that you're not going to stay in the same place you're in. Everybody say place. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to relocate geographically. It just means you can't keep abiding in the same mental space that you've been living in. You can't keep thinking the way you have been. You can't keep doing the same stuff you have been doing. I, I, I know that it's cliche. I know that we've heard it over and over that to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results is what? Insanity. We've all heard that. It's, a, it's an overused Einstein quote. But let me just say it another way. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting the results that you've been getting. And what it's going to take is for you to uh, arm yourself and gird yourself up with a new awareness that says I'm not going to stay in the place I've been in in 2016. I'm going to go to a new place in 2017. It may be an addiction that needs to be broken or a marriage that needs to be mended. It may be health that needs to be restored. It may be a business where you need to break through into a whole new, uh, a whole new place in God. It may be a vision that the Lord's put in your heart where you're trusting for provision to come and meet the need. 
I don't know what you're facing. It may be a negative thing to have been overcome. It may be a positive thing to reach and apprehend by faith. But the point is, is if you get a breakthrough, you can't stay in the same place you've been in. You better look at your neighbor and say, get up! You're going to have to change your place. Your mental space, how you've been thinking, where you have been. Secondly, it's your priorities. Your priorities. What is expendable? What, what do I need and what do I not need? I, I'm going through a season in my life and I've lost the most important part of my life. Help me, Holy Ghost. And I've realized that all the stuff that I have has no meaning whatsoever and I'm, I'm throwing out and I'm giving away and I realized that I'm in a place where I've got to downsize and I've, I got up in my attic and I thought, you know what, there's stuff that Dawn and I packed in North Carolina 29 years ago and it's still in the box in the attic and somebody said, did you open it to see what it was? I said, no, I'm just throwing it away because if I hadn't seen it in 29 years, I don't need it. Sometimes we get so laden down with the baggage of all the stuff that we think we have to have, especially when we get consumed with the American dream instead of the kingdom dream. And let me just stop right there and tell you that I'm proud to be American. I'd rather live here than any other place on the planet. But we can get so consumed with a consumerist, materialistic mentality that we think that we're blessed because of all the stuff that we have. And there's something that's moving in me because of where I am. I'm not trying to put what I'm going through on you. But there's something that's where I am that says find out what's important and get rid of the unimportant stuff and downsize and get the load off of your back so that you can move out of this place into a new place in 2017. And it means new priorities. Come on, I'm helping somebody in this place this morning. Help me, Holy Ghost. And he was headed to deal with his past he was going to meet Esau that he'd cheated. He'd stolen his birthright and he'd cheated him from his blessing. Some of you in this room are actively in steps of rehab. Whether it's a 12-step program, you know the importance of going back and making restitution, of making things right, of what you didn't do right the first time. That is not just some kind of psychological ploy. That's a biblical idea. You go and make it right. You forgive and you release and you go and ask for forgiveness and get released so you can put the burdens of the past in the past and you can step into a new place in 2017. Am I helping somebody in this room this morning? Oh, my how I have wrestled down thoughts and things these three months in the valley. What is it? Psalm 84. Those passing through the valley of Baca means weeping, the valley of weeping. And I have been in the valley of weeping. Those passing through the valley of weeping make it a well. You know what you're crying? Just turn around and dig a well and let it be a place of provision. You're in a wilderness where there's no water. Guess what? God wants to show up and bring a spring. And you know what? Then that terrible wilderness becomes a great and terrible wilderness because God showed up and showed out in your life. My, my, my. It says they, they, those passing through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, they make it a well. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appears before God. And so right now I'm telling you, I'm not going down. I'm not getting weaker. I'm getting stronger because I'm going through going through what I've been going through. And every day I choose joy. I choose joy because I choose Jesus. My, 
My place has changed. My priorities have been made aware. I'm dealing with my past. Speak to those issues that you need to to make relationships right. The fourth one, he wrestles with this angel. And the Bible, in some translations, say that he, a man came and wrestled with him. We refer to this as the angel of the Lord. It's not just any angel, but when you see the phrase, the angel of the Lord, it's always a capital A followed by of the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The angel of the, angel of the Lord is the messenger of the covenant. It's Jesus in the Old Testament. Theologians call this a Christophany. Two days ago was Epiphany. It's called Little Christmas, recognized by the Orthodox Church. And Christophany is the manifestation of Christ in the Old Testament. When you have an epiphany, something is made known, it's revealed, it's shown, it's made manifest. Okay? Um, he wrestles with the angel of the Lord. I believe, he, I believe he's wrestling with Jesus. And in the middle of this, he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. He just grabbed hold of it. Instead of running from the struggle, he grabs hold of the struggle and he says, no, no, no. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, the angel says, dawn is coming, I've got to go. He says, no, I will not let you go until. Everybody say until. You have to have persistence. You have to have determination that you're not going to quit until you see a breakthrough come when you've gone through it and you've broken through into release from that addiction, into a, a new marriage like you've never had before. Don't, don't let the past encroach around you and stifle out of you the promises of God for blessing and peace and the goodness of God in your life, in your home, in your family, in your marriage, in your health, in your finance. Come on, somebody say amen. He wrestles with the angel, and the angel says, no longer will you be called Jacob, but you're going to be called Israel. And a new name means a new nature. Remember, God met a guy named Simon, which means reedy, blown by the wind, and he said, no longer are you going to be a reed blown to and fro, but you're going to be Petra, a rock, Peter. Saul's name was changed to Paul. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. This happens all over the Bible. The Scripture says, when you come to the Lord... He gives you a new name. Book of Isaiah makes that promise. He says, to him that overcomes will I give him a new name and write it on a stone. And, and, and the whole issue is that God has given you a new name, called you by a new nature as a new creation, and you have the promises of God because you have Christ on the inside of you as a believer. Come on, somebody, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. But transformation comes through the struggle. It comes through identifying the fact that you don't have the ability to work this out in your own strength anymore. You can't Jacob it anymore. You can't con it or manipulate it or intimidate it or refinance it or lie or cheat or however, whatever, whatever kind of adjective to describe or a verb that you want to use to, to try to, to put a Jacob spin on it. You know what? He, the, the angel says, what is your name? Let me just tell you this right now. Anytime God asks a question, it isn't because God doesn't know the answer. How many of you know the angel of the Lord knew exactly who he was wrestling with? Because it was already set in eternity. It was an MMA match. They'd already set it and they were going to throw down. Talking about an octagon out there at a place called Penile. And Jacob and the angel of God meet. And Jacob says, no, I won't, I won't let you go until you bless me. And he says, what is your name? And it's not because the angel didn't know his name. He just wanted him to say his own name. Because in that moment, Jacob said, I'm a trickster. My name's Jacob. I'm a schemer. I'm a sinner. 
I can't do this on my own. I'm a con man. I've lied. I've cheated. I've schemed. I've stolen. I've robbed. I've done all this in my own selfish ambition, all about me and my and mine. And when he said Jacob, he saw himself as he was. And in that moment of revelation, the angel of the Lord said, no longer. Everybody say from now on. See, that's the reason when I gather the saints of God on Sunday morning, I don't preach to the crowd like they're a room full of sinners. Okay? Because now, from now on, you're not called Jacob anymore. You're called Israel, prince of God, prevailer. Now, that doesn't mean there's, that anybody, everybody in the room is not sinful, that you're, that you're not out in committing something in the way of a thought, word, or deed. But I'm telling you, your new nature on the inside of you now is different than it used to be. And when you do sin, it's because you've had a momentary memory lapse as to who you are now. Because you're not who you used to be. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, from now on. See, that's what I want you to get in your understanding this morning. You, you have Christ in you. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. A new nature, the Bible says. Ezekiel says that I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. When you get the word, you're getting a new mind. The Bible says I will make all things new. How many of you know he's in the process of doing that? If you can just go through it. Everybody say, I'm going through Finally this morning, persistence. There is no quit. There's no letting go until you bless me, Jacob said to the angel. Five things. Five breakthrough principles. Grab them here real quick. Number one, don't settle. Don't settle for the mess you're in. Because if you'll get up out of that place, God will turn your mess into a message. Number two, identify what matters. You got a lot of stuff hanging on around you. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes you, you're hanging out with the wrong folks. Don't forget, just because you're grown now doesn't mean what you told your teenagers doesn't still apply to you. Bad company corrupts good character. It doesn't mean you can't get out here and be with people in the world, but you, you bet up with and you buddy up with, you're going to be like them. Forgive me for being too plain, but Mama used to say, you, you go to bed with the dogs, you wake up with the fleas. I'm getting too plain here. Let me move on. Identify what matters. Live who you are now. You know, that's the reason I don't preach this constant sin consciousness, telling everybody, well, you're going to go out and sin a little bit every day because guess what? You're going to do that. You're going to live out of that identity. No, if I tell you you're a new creation in Christ now, yes, you still have to battle a sin nature, but I'm going to tell you if you will, if you will grow in Christ and feed yourself the word, it will be stronger than, and it will become less and less and less and less until the day will come when you see him face to face, and that is no more. There is no more presence of sin. Identify what matters. Number three, make peace with your past. Don't carry your grudges of 2016 into 2017. Shame on you for thinking like that. My goodness, let it go. God, God let your crap go and, and forgave you. I'm sorry, that's too plain. Forgive me. You exercise forgiveness right now and forgive the preacher for saying a common word. He said crap in his sermon. God forgave your mess and mine. He let it go. He's not rolling it over and carrying it from one year to the next. My goodness, let that grudge go. Let that issue go where somebody offended you. Walk into this new year in a new place, in a new mindset. Oh, but you just don't know what they did to me. Well, I understand how difficult it is. I've had stuff that is outrageous that if I could take the time to tell you this morning, it would... The things that have done, been done to me and been, that have been said to me over my 56 years of life and experience... People would be in tears. But I had to start moving toward forgiveness. I had to say, God, I'm willing to be made willing 
to forgive. Help me, Lord. I need help. I'm willing. I, I choose to forgive. Are you following me this morning? Make peace with your past. Number four, don't run from the struggle. Every one of you in this room has a match that's already been set. You're going to wrestle with the angel of the Lord. Some of you are wrestling with him right now in your thoughts because he's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, it's, it's been long enough for you to run from me. I want you to run right into this struggle. Because as soon as you embrace the struggle, in that confrontation will come a transformation. You'll get a new name. You'll get a new nature. He'll change your life and change your heart and begin to change your mind. Finally, this morning, number five, never give up. One of my historical heroes, taught history for years, one of my historical heroes is the late, great Winston Churchill, the prime minister of Great Britain during the World War II period of history. One of his famous speeches, he basically just says, never, 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 five times, never, never give up. Through all the blood and toil and sweat and tears, he, he, he led a nation into victory by, by charging them with the determination for persistence. Don't quit. I will not let you go until you bless me. Some of you are in a place of praying and you've been a little discouraged and I just want to inject a little bit of a spiritual steroid into you and I just want to tell you God wants you to push. You're delivering something. You're birthing something. Push. What is push? Push is pray until something happens. Breakthrough. Pray until something happens. Last point this morning and I'm finished. I hope you've gotten something out of this. A real God encounter will affect your walk. A real God encounter will affect your walk. Put up my last scripture and I'm done. Musicians, you can go ahead and come back right now if you'd like. 1 John 2, 3 through 6, and the ESV says it this way. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Verse 6 is the key right here. Here we go. Whoever says he abides in him ought to what? Walk in the same way in which he walked. Who is he? Jesus. We ought to walk this way. What was it? The hairband. I was at Aerosmith. Da -da 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 -da. Look at your neighbor and say, walk this way. I got your attention. Um, Jacob wrestles with the angel and he comes away with a different gait. He doesn't walk the same way that he used to. The confrontation brought a transformation and he had a little bit of a limp because he'd had a life-changing experience in wrestling with the angel. He got a blessing. He got a name change. But something affected the way he walked. He didn't walk out of that experience the same way that he walked into that experience. It was noticeable. People could tell a difference that something had changed in Jacob's life. And it wasn't because he just was getting old because they knew the determination and the strength and the vigor 
on Jacob's life before he went into that experience at Peniel. It was a place where he said, I'm going to call this place the face of God. Because here I've met God face to face and yet my life has been spared. And I want to tell you, no matter what your struggle is, no matter the pain of what you're going through this morning, and I speak from a place of personal agone, the Greek word agone is the agony. I want to tell you that if you will cry out to the Lord and say, I am not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm telling you, you, he will wrestle with you and he will set something different in your hip so that you get up from that place and you walk differently. I'm not talking about a literal, physical damage to your hip joint or the tendon, but I'm talking about you won't behave the same way you did before you met the Lord in that experience. You won't get up and live the same way. I have no time for folk who come down and have a little Christianity light experience and sign a card and shake a preacher's hand or maybe even pray the right worded sinner's prayer and then leave and nothing's ever changed. Let me just tell you right now, wasn't nothing born again. You're still as dead as you ever were and headed to hell. If something doesn't change in your walk, Oh, I'm preaching so good right now, whether anybody says amen. Hallelujah. I might just get Pentecostal here in a second because that's so good. If something doesn't change in the way you walk, now hear me, hear me, hear me. I've seen people too many times come to an altar and confess Jesus and immediately God do something transformative in their life. Maybe they never, ever desired drugs again but they're still struggling. Maybe they got a potty mouth just to talk like a sailor and they're struggling trying to clean up their communication. You don't want to go, okay, God, did I not stay long enough? Why didn't you just zap that too while I was there? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Everybody in the room. Everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, everybody. Everybody in the room, yeah. Everybody in the room's got a struggle of some kind because ain't nobody in the house perfect except but one and you're not looking at him. His name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. That means everybody in here is still struggling with something in thought, in word, or in deed. And in the struggle, once I've come to know who I am in Christ now, I've got to remember who I am and not have a momentary amnesia step. Or a moment with me where I just forget who I am. I I tell you, it's the parade. I have so much that's just running across here. I'm remembering the scene in Gone with the Wind. And I'm remembering when they're birthing the baby. And the little little girl said, I don't know nothing about birthing no babies, Miss Scholar. And Dr. Mead is there to birth a baby. And he says, Mrs. Mead, remember yourself. I'm sorry, if you didn't get it, it's okay. It's not a good connection. It's a, it's a 19th century way of saying, don't forget who you are. Look at your neighbor right now and say, remember yourself. Now, if you've never taken the first step of faith to come to Jesus, you're in a desperate place. You're a sinner and you need a savior. 
If you know Christ, you have grace working and moving in your life and you need to remember who you are now in Christ. Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you, the temple of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember yourself. Don't go out there and act the way you used to act. We all have to come to the place where we go, God, I can't do this by myself and I need you to change me. I'm struggling. I've tried to do it in my own strength. God, I'm going to push. I'm going to pray until something happens. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And I look to you to transform my life. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this room. Jesus, help us in this place.